This is your Kick-Ass Life Podcast, episode number 176. This is the Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast with Andrea Owen, a no BS guide to self-help and badassery. Because ladies, let's face it, life's too short for it to not kick ass. And here's your host, the girl who serves it up straight with a side of crazy, Andrea Owen. Hey there, ass kickers. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. As always, I am so grateful that you are here and happy to bring you another great episode. I think it's great. I hope you think it's great. I mean, I guess you wouldn't keep showing up every week if you thought it was crap, right? Speaking of, I am using a new system now. I think I mentioned that a few podcast episodes. I got a new computer and with it, I use GarageBand to record my podcast episodes and GarageBand was brand new and totally updated and different from what I'm used to from the computer I was using before. And I feel like I sound a little nasally. Do you guys feel like I sound nasally? Since you can't answer back right now, can you go to Instagram and let me know? I don't know if I have it on the right setting. I'm not very good at this kind of tech stuff. And I was thinking about it again because yesterday, when this comes out, it would have been last week. I was in driving my happy ass to Raleigh, North Carolina, three days, and I was in the middle of recording my audio version of my book that's coming out, and it's in like a fancy studio. <laughs> and this whole setup makes me feel like my podcast over here is like just janky, like I just threw it all together. I didn't though. No, I have a professional microphone and I... I feel like I do it as best I can. And anyway, I just was kind of feeling like, oh, because that studio, they have people that have podcasts that come in and record their podcasts in the fancy studio. And my voice sounds really great and really clear when I hear the playback. Obviously, you know, it's going it's going out on audiobook. And of course, you want it to be great and perfect. And the publisher spends a lot of money to make sure that it's it's amazing. So anyway, all that to say a couple of things. If I sound nasally indifferent now in the last few episodes, I've, especially in the intro, let me know on Instagram as I post the image for this particular episode on Instagram. Let me know. Or if it's the same, yeah, then it's the same. I hope it's not that bad. And then the other thing is I'm really excited about the audiobook that I am recording. Okay, so I walked into that thinking, oh, I've done 175 podcast episodes. I've done public speaking before. I've made many, many, many videos. I can do this, no problem. Because they were like, make sure you practice and giving me all these instructions. And I'm like, uh, do you know who I think I am? I think I got this. So I walk in and here's the part that kind of threw me for a loop. When you are reading an audiobook, you have to read every single word exact from the actual book. They actually check. I don't know how they do this, but they do. And I guess you get flagged or banned from all of the cool clubs of society if you get it wrong. No, I don't know. I don't know what happens if you do it wrong, but they're very adamant about having to read every single word correctly, which is fine, but it becomes tricky. So because I wrote this book, obviously I form sentences a certain way and I say 
certain things a certain way. But when you have an editor, when you have two different editors, they edit out extra words. They might change the sentence structure around just for it to be more readable. That's what they do. That was the first time when I wrote 52 ways, they did the same thing. You know, if you have a good editor, that's what they do. That's what you pay editors to do. But when you're reading it, I found myself like adding words that make total sense to me and that sound good in my head, but they flag me. You know, like, oh, no, you added a word, you added an of, or you added a that. And I was like, where? And then I read it back. I'm like, oh my God, so we have to stop. And then I have to do it again. <laughs> it's <laughs> I was like the first half an hour, I was like, this is going to just be painful. But it's fun. And, and I'm being coached by this guy who has done, like, that's his job. He, he's a voice talent. And so he's been really helpful. He's been helping, like, kind of coach me through the process and, and told me, like, I really think you could have done, said this differently. Or when you walk into this paragraph, maybe do it this way. And we disagree on, on a couple of things, but at the end, he's been really helpful. In helping me create this audiobook, which I'm really excited about. I listen to audiobooks. I actually listen to self-help on audio. I have found just personally, I love to read fiction, but I like to listen to nonfiction. So it's more specifically self-help. I do read memoirs, but I am excited. I'm excited for you to read this and I'm or sorry, listen to it and read it, whichever you prefer. If you want to do both, that's amazing too. But I feel like I'm putting in my best for this particular audiobook and really it's been a different experience than doing these podcasts because I don't read from a script. I just sort of, you know, shoot from the hip and that is not the case with the audiobook. So it's been different, it's been fun, it's been hard and I can't wait for you to do it. So speaking of, if you want to get updates on all things book related including when I'm going to possibly be in a city near you for a book signing or a small fun intimate workshop, And, you know, we're having a group study. We're having bonuses with the books. Something fun we're doing. You can either go to yourkickasslife.com forward slash HTSFLS or even easier, you can text the word, wait for it, text the word shit to 444-999. When Emily and I were talking, Emily's my right-hand woman over here in case you don't know. Emily and I were talking about what keyword we should choose for book updates. And I was like, why don't we just choose shit? So if you guys don't know, the title of the book is called How to Stop Feeling Like Shit. I didn't just make up the word because I think the book is shit. No, it's How to Stop Feeling Like Shit is the title of the book, 14 Habits That Are Holding You Back from Happiness. And yeah, if you want any updates, you can simply text the word shit to 444-999. It'll prompt you for your email and you can get signed up easy that way. The only thing about that is that you're not gonna get the drop-down as you would on the web page to be able to see what cities I'm attending for book signings and workshops. So I will just name them quickly. I am going to, in no particular order, I know for sure I'm going to New York City first, January 6th, I will be there. And then I am headed to Washington, DC. I will be in Greensboro for a book signing. That's where I live. I will be in San Diego, Chicago, and Portland, Oregon right now are the for sure I'm going to be heading to. So if you are near or in any of those cities, you might want to go to the web form to be able to sign up for specific notifications about those events. So on with it, shall we? 
Very excited to bring you today's podcast episode. Many months ago, I sent out a survey to all of you. Many of you filled it out and said, and a handful of you said you wanted to hear more stories from women who I've worked with. I, I did one episode long time ago. It's episode 82. I will put that in the show notes for you, but you wanted to hear from regular women, not quote unquote experts necessarily in the field of personal development, but real women with real struggles. All women are, are real women. I know that, but you know, real life struggles and stories and what they did to change their life. And Janessa Nickel is one of my clients. I've worked with her for many months over this past year. And she'll talk about her struggles in the very beginning and what she was really facing when she decided to work with me privately. And the heart of the work I do is around vulnerability. It's around shame, resilience and courage. And it's sometimes hard for me to explain what it actually looks like. It's easier to come out of the mouth of someone who's experienced it. And whether you decide to work with me or not, maybe it's someone else or even with a therapist, I want to make one thing clear that it takes a decision and commitment to the work. It's one thing for me to talk about and tell you tools, but I think it's a different angle to hear about what it actually looked like in someone's life when stuff happened. Because it's not about, you know, whether you're working with a coach or whether you're working with a therapist, it's not so much about the time you're spending in that person's office or on the phone with them. The real work happens in between the sessions and when stuff comes up in your life. Also, at the end of this episode, you'll hear me say that I have room for one more client, and we recorded this a few weeks ago, but that spot has since been taken. I do have room for one more, but not until the first week of December. So if you're interested, that date's coming up. Uh, please fill out the application from the link that you'll hear about. It's also in the show notes, a link to that application. And lastly, before I get into this episode, starting in the fall of 2018, I'm bringing this same work that you're about to hear about into a group program, which you'll also have one-on-one -on -one access to me plus a weekend retreat. I originally thought we would do the weekend retreat in Florida, but now I'm thinking maybe Mexico. I haven't decided yet. It'll be a small group of 10 to 12 women by application only. I already have someone who has told me she is for sure in, even though it's like 10 months out. So if you'd like to be the first to hear about that and have first dibs and an extended payment plan, because you'll get in sooner, make sure you sign up for that early notice at yourkickasslife.com forward slash mentorship. So are you ready? Without further ado, here is my conversation with Janessa. Hello, Janessa. Thanks so much for being here. Hey, Andrea. It sounds so professional. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's, it's, it's a little weird. I, I know it's always kind of awkward, but you know, it's like my podcast voice on. Just, I, and I do. I'm so grateful that you're here and we're willing to have this conversation and you've been such a joy to work with. And I, I surveyed, I'm not sure if I told you this, but I surveyed my audience a few months ago. And one of the pieces of feedback that I got was that the podcast listeners would love to hear more stories of my clients and people in my classes, just real stories from real people instead of life coaches and experts in the field. So you're, you know, you're an expert in the field of your life. So what better, you know, person to have on than somebody who's been through this kind of massive journey, right? Would you call it a massive journey? <laughs> yes. Yes. It definitely feels quite massive <laughs> it, it, and, it, and it's real and it's raw. <laughs> yeah, it for sure is. So speaking of, that's a great segue to sort of jump right in. And what I would love to ask is 
why did you decide to make a commitment to do this work? And, you know, for those of you that don't know, let me just give a quick overview of the work that I, I do with my private clients and that I did with Janessa is the daring way. And it's the certification I have as a facilitator based on the research of Dr. Brene Brown. I was trained in San Antonio in 2014 by her and her senior faculty by Brene. And that's what I took Janessa through. And so why did, again, why did you decide to make a commitment to this work? And what exactly was it that you felt that you were ready for? Mm-hmm. Well, it's been, it's been a long journey. I think that led up to the decision to take this leap and work with you and really be ready to dive into the nitty gritty Mm -hmm. (laughs) of getting to the bottom of some, you know, just some behaviors and ways in which I was showing up in the world, to be honest, Mm -hmm. that weren't truly authentic to my story. So maybe to take a quick step back with my story, you know, I've been checking off the boxes, I think, with life goals and mm-hmm. steps and phases, right? Like I, I'm a high achiever, I have always really put a lot of value on being driven and getting to success. So, you know, that showed up in my education, in my professional career. But I got to this point where although all the boxes felt like they were checked, I was like, why am I still struggling Mm -hmm. with some pretty deep and like I said, raw (laughs) challenges? I actually struggled with an eating disorder for a few years. And, you know, for the most part, like I said, I was, I was able to kind of work through that on my own and, and in therapy and, and still have, you know, this outward external success pretty much under wraps, but leading up until the point where you and I started to work together, I actually had a pretty big relapse with that. That was hard. That was challenging. And I think I had just gotten to the point where I realized I can't live like this. Mm-hmm. So just to clarify, you had a yeah. relapse in, your, it was binge eating, correct? Yeah, binge eating. And with binge eating comes restricting, right? right? And it's kind of that cycle of... The mentality. Mm-hmm, totally. And just that, you know, really it's self-harm mm-hmm. and beating yourself up. And, and so I had a lot of challenges with like my inner critic yeah. <laughs> in that cycle. What's interesting is that I remember when you, and this is common with a lot of my clients, if not all of them, is Mm -hmm. what happens. It's what you were explaining. And I love that, you know, most people explain it kind of differently. You were saying, you know, I checked off the boxes and I had this outwardly appearance of being, you know, driven and met your goals, pretty much like anything you set your mind to, you did it career-wise, et cetera, et cetera. And what I see a lot is that that becomes your identity, of mm-hmm. achievement and success and ambition and drive. And as women, as humans, like we're applauded for that. You know, it's like, yeah, fist pump. <laughs> You've got oh, your totally. shit together. You're one of those people. And what I see over and over again is that women get to a point where they're like, okay, I accomplished all of this and and I have all of these things that we are told that will bring us happiness. Why do I still fall into these patterns of, you know, of self-harm, as you put it? Why do I you know, for some of my clients, it's, 
why can I not set boundaries at work? That's one of the things like, why am I finding myself so angry at people or lashing out or not being proud of who I am? And, and what I hear, you didn't say this, but what I also hear is, and, and did you feel this way that you, you know, you listen to all the podcasts, you read the self-help <laughs> books, you, you follow certain, you know, different kind of self-help people that you really like and you go to therapy, but you don't really know how to apply it in your everyday life. Like stuff would come up and you're like, what do I do with this? Oh, definitely. And I think that gets to the question you had around what were you ready for? Mm -hmm. I think I had to get to that almost rock bottom point with the relapse to realize like I need accountability and I need the tools Mm -hmm. and to have the tools, but not have the accountability can be challenging. And even for really smart, high achieving women. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. What do I do with this? Yeah. I have all of the tools. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of the people in my audience, probably a lot of people listening, like my friend Amy calls them like uh, personal development hoarders. You know, they have all of the tools, but it's that accountability piece. And what I do is, is we meet weekly for sure on video. And then there are chats in between some of my clients. I talk to more often than others. You were one of my more quiet ones, (laughs) (laughs) but when you would leave me an update, it was relatively long and you would get all of it in. And I just start to get to know, you know, what different people need and, and, you know, don't necessarily push people to, you know, we need to talk every day, but that is an option. When you walked in, were you afraid? Like, did, I mean, were you afraid of the process? Were you afraid of having that much accountability? Were you afraid of me? Like, what was the fear like? Cause I'm assuming there was fear. Cause there always is. Right. Oh no. You're so scary. Andrea. No, <laughs> tell me that I'm intimidating and I'm like, really? Yeah, I guess I can do that. <laughs> Cause I'm like my mom and she's a little intimidating. <laughs> no, you were, you were so, it was so, uh, it was so easy to get working with you. I mean, I could tell from our first conversation when we had, you know, that, that initial conversation just to see like, is this the right fit? And where, where am I at? And, and what am I looking for? And, and what do I really need? And, and am I ready for this? Right. And from that point on, that was, and I'm always really honest about that. Yes. Very important. So I think the fear for me was more around, and I think we talked about this too in that first conversation. I was scared. What would you say? Scared sighted. Sighted. Yes. One of my very first clients when I was going through certification told me that she was about, she was about to take the bar exam, and so she was scared sighted. She told me. Mm-hmm. Scared and excited. That point, I realize now it's. I think it was the fear of the unknown, right? Like I had some expectations, some idea of what this could be, but I'd never done this type of coaching before, mm-hmm. which is different than, you know, like the therapy I'd, I'd done before in, in, in the clinical sense. So I think it was just, it felt like a leap and I really just needed to push myself over the edge and say, okay, I don't know how this is going to go. I don't know what's going to come of it. It could be, you know, like a huge revelation. It could be small changes, who knows, but I just need to commit to it. And I think too, just the vulnerability needed to open up. I hadn't had these conversations, like the conversations you and I had, I hadn't really spoken, like really put voice to some of these issues and thoughts and feelings in this way. A lot of it had just been internalized and buried. And so I think that process was scary (laughs) to start with. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I, yeah, I agree. Not the first person that's told me that, that it's, that we talk about it in a different way than they've talked about it in therapy. And I'm a huge fan of therapy. And I, I want to say something too, based on what I said a couple minutes ago about how some people aren't ready. The people that aren't ready are really the people I feel like that haven't done enough therapy that really have pressing family of origin stuff or trauma that I am not, I mean, that's beyond my pay grade. Like I'm just not, that's not my training. And so that's every once in a while, I get someone who really needs to go and deal with that first and then come and do this work. So I just wanted to clarify that for anyone listening, you know, cause I don't ever want anyone to feel like they're not good enough <laughs> to do this work. I think everyone does, but yeah, just wanted to say that. Didn't mean to cut you off there. Oh, no, no. that I think that was, that's important too. Mm-hmm. And I'll be in full disclosure. I mean, I was in therapy while we were working together. Yeah. So I think that, that that sometimes is very nice, right? Like I, I see this as a really great compliment and mm-hmm. I do too. way to continue the work, but in parallel, but just in a slightly different way and very much, yeah, tools focused. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. And some of my clients like take the tools that they learned in our work together and like bring them to their therapist. And, and most people's therapists know, at least know who Brene Brown is and her research. So they're always really open to, you know, to talking about those tools and cause they might know, they might have conversations with their therapist, different conversations that they have with me. So my, my next question is, and you kind of have already answered this, but I'm, I'm curious if there's anything more about what did you want to walk away with? Or did you, cause you said that you had not a whole lot of expectations. Did you have anything that you were sure you wanted to walk away with? I knew that I really wanted to walk away with the confidence to be able to continue this work on my own in the day to day. And I didn't know what that looked like. Right. Right? Well, if you did, I, I just, you wouldn't need to work. Right, right. Like, I had no idea. Like, I don't know. Like, what do I need day to day? Who knows? But my hope was that through this work, I'd get to a point where I could take it and just continue that process. Although I don't think I realized. I, I think I also... You know, there's that small part of you that still is looking for the quick fix. (laughs) Sure. I still look for it too sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And you realize, oh yeah, that doesn't exist. Dang it. Yes. Oh man, if we could package that. But I, I do, I think that that, what the work is, again, you know, full transparency here about what I don't talk about. Oh, I get that's a lie. I talk about shame over here on the podcast. Not, I don't dive too deep into it because shame work is, Brene says that shame work is trauma work. And I believe that. And therefore it's, it can be difficult to talk more than just a surface level on things like a podcast. But I think that the reason I like ran to go get trained in this work is because when I realized, cause I've been talking about the inner critic since I started this business in 2010. And when I realized that the inner critic is our shame manifested, like as anxiety, as the inner critic voice, as all of these, these things that I talk about all the time, when I realized that I was like, Oh, that's the real work. Like that's the hard work underneath the surface, getting to the root of it. 
that is so important for lifelong transformation, for lifelong tools. Because I think that any inner critic work is great, but if you're just working on like positive affirmations, you're slapping a bandaid on a gaping wound that needs to be addressed and healed. And that's what attracted me so much as being a facilitator of this work and, you know, selfishly to do the work in my own personal life. So, which brings me to my next question. And, you know, this could not have been planned out any better by me, but you were met with sort of a test in your personal life when we were about, I think we were about halfway through the work. So can you Mm -hmm. kind of start from the beginning and tell us what happened? Yes. So (laughs) yes, this is the Bob. (laughs) Yeah. Test is like the perfect word for it. I mean, it was beautiful. It was beautiful looking back on it and slightly painful going through it. Right. Yes. So we were about halfway through the program and you had given me a piece of homework, which every week there's homework, which is all good, you know, opportunities to work on what we've been talking about outside of our time together and in real conversations with people and interactions with friends and family. So I thought that that was very helpful. Mm -hmm. And so I maybe take a step back. So I, (laughs) I do Olympic weightlifting. I train and compete in this specific sport and I train at a gym and I'd had, you know, I'd been struggling a lot, I think with this sense of belonging or lack thereof, right? Like I felt a little isolated. I wasn't really opening up. I I was kind of struggling a bit with some relationships and friendships there, just feeling pretty lonely, which looking back on it now, and just with what I was going through related to the eating and, and exercising challenges, there was a lot of shame there. I was really struggling with, and that was making it difficult to connect with other people. And you had given me this homework assignment to, (laughs) to post on Facebook. Again, I'm not a social media person. So this was like petrifying for me, but to post on Facebook in our private gym page about just, you know, how just share a bit more and open up about how I'd been feeling about challenges with training and and the fact that you fall down and, and sometimes it's really hard to get back up, but you know, that there's so much value in that. So I put this post out there for the whole community to see. And I had a friend who's actually a coach at the gym approach me after I put that out there. So I'm going to stop you for a second. So yeah. it was a video, right? It was, it was text. You it had written was. a vulnerable post and it was also a short video of you struggling with a particular, I don't, what is it like a snatch or something? Please forgive yes. me. <laughs> no, no, you're, you're, you're spot on. It's oh. a snatch. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yes. yeah. And it was, and it was a Facebook group. Like it was a small group of just those gym members. Yes. Okay. Yes. So not just out to the world okay. <laughs> to see. Like, but, not that mean. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. These people at least who knew, who knew who I was. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yes, put this video out there, which again, like, Oh, even just putting, like posting is one thing, but putting video and like images of yourself, like, again, that's just, that's a little scary too. So this coach and friend really of mine at the gym came up to me after I put the post out there and he asked me how much weight was on the bar. 
which, you know, if for anyone who's done like weightlifting, you know, it's, it's, it's not an uncommon question to mm-hmm. ask, but I was a little caught off guard because it was like, well, I'm going to stop you for a second. Cause when you yeah. told me the story and we were on Skype video, you said that he said it with such an attitude. Like even yeah. I was like, he said, what? <laughs> I was getting ready to defend you. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, what, what we discovered like through that experience was that I think I was reacting, yes. right? Like to the stories that I was making up in my head about like, why would he be asking me that? Mm-hmm. Like, this isn't about that. And I, I kind of responded in a snippy way and said, well, you know, does it matter? Mm-hmm. <laughs> So he said how much he came up to you because, well, and you got a lot of really great response from that video in that group. Yes. But he did not respond to that post. He came up to you in person at the gym and said how much weight was on the bar. And you said, does it really matter? Does it really matter? Right. Right. Because in my head, that wasn't the point Mm -hmm. was not how much weight I was lifting above my head. It was how I was trying to, you know, process and get through the challenge of of falling down and making mistakes and putting it out there for everybody to see literally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so (laughs) he came up to me and, and when I responded in sort of this snippy, cause I I'll be honest, right? Like I'm not perfect. Like I was pretty snippy back to him and the conversation just sort of paused and, and we, we kind of went our separate ways. And later on he came up to me and was visibly upset and frustrated and basically said, you know, would you have said that to anybody else but me? And told me that I had been quite rude to him, mm-hmm. <laughs> which like, I'm not a conflict person. Like I'm not used to, I was kind of like, oh, you know, had that jaw drop reaction of, oh my God, what do I say? Yeah. Like, I'm not used to this direct conflict. And I felt horrible in that moment because I was realizing, oh my God, I was, I actually, I could see how that was a little rude. Yeah. So Um, what was the feeling that you were feeling when he, well, first of all, what was the feeling that you felt when he came up to you and asked you that question? Oh, I could feel, I could feel defensive. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, when you feel just backed into a corner, right. And you just want to, you want to push it away, right? You want to just like react and, mm-hmm. and it's like the hair on your neck kind of stands up. You know? <laughs> and what we talked about later and what you realize is that in that moment you had made up a story about what his intention was. Yes. Okay. I'd made up a story about why, why he would ask that question, mm-hmm. you know, asking and having that be the first question, which is how much weight is on the bar versus, saying something like, you know, Hey, I saw your post, right. (laughs) You know, nice job or, or anything like that. And then what was the feeling that you had when he called you on it and confronted you? Oh, that was a different feeling too. That was, you know, in in the, when he asked me the question, it was a lot more defensive. Like I felt cornered Mm -hmm. when he confronted me, I just felt so exposed. Mm Mm-hmm. And so raw. And was that the part where he said it? Like there was other people watching? 
and heard oh, you yeah. guys. Yeah, there, there are other people around, which yeah. made it made it even more challenging, right? Because, yeah. and in that moment, all I could do, all I could really get out was, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. That's all I could say because I didn't, I was at a loss for words otherwise. Did you feel like that was a shaming moment? Shaming moment, meaning... Did you feel shame in that moment? Because it could have been humiliation. I think I felt... That's kind of a... Or guilt. Hard one. I think I felt both shame and a little humiliated. I mean, Mm -hmm. in the sense that it was in front of people. Right. So that was like a little humiliating. But I think I was also just dealing with my own shame around relationships and connection and, you know, oh my gosh, because I've had stories that I've told myself before, you know, oh, Janessa, you, you screw up friendships, right? right? Or, mm-hmm. or, oh, Janessa, you know, you, you just really struggle with connecting with people and maintaining that over time, right? That's why, that's why you sometimes have these long-term friendships that fall apart, right? So that's like my own story that I was telling myself about myself that I think was coming up. Well, and for just real quick, for those people listening, the difference between, and this is something that is taught in the program, the difference between guilt and shame is that guilt is that you made a mistake And shame is more like, I am a mistake. Like I am a bad person for having done that to him. And the difference between shame and humiliation, they're very similar physiologically. So we tend to have the same physiological response in our bodies when we feel shame and humiliation, but the main difference is deserving. So if he had said that to her and Janessa thought and felt that visceral wash (laughs) that nobody Mm -hmm. likes, but didn't feel like she deserved it at all, that would be more humiliation. But if she had that happen and felt like a terrible person, then that would be shame. And you can vacillate between the two within moments. They're not like hard and fast lines between each of those feelings. You can flip back and forth. So it's, you know, rarely is it ever linear. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So then what happened? So you guys, so the conversation ended. So the conversation ended and I conveniently had a coaching appointment with you the next morning. (laughs) (laughs) You were like, you're like, Oh, Andrea. Cause I was like, how was the video response? Like all excited for you. Couldn't wait to hear about it. You're like, something happened. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> I have to tell you about this. And I think I was still at that point in this you know, I was, I was still trying to process what had happened and wasn't quite sure of like all these feelings that had come up and what does this mean and how you, do I you make were still angry with him? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I was pissed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so then and I bet he was still with me. What was the, what were the conclusions that we came to after we talked that out? So we talked a bit about values because I, I think, and I think that's really important because we discussed, okay, so what are, what are the options here, right? Like, what could I do? I could just let this be, right? Not say anything. Or I could try to circle back with him and have a conversation. And we talked about, okay, so what are my values? What do I think is going to align in action with those. And I really struggled with that, I think, for a couple days. But I got to the point where I realized, you know, who do I want to be? 
I want to be the person that if I have messed up, I am going to go back and genuinely say, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what's going to come of that. Right. Like I was also scared to have that conversation with him because I was going to have to be pretty vulnerable and open up and say, Hey, you know, I'm just sorry for how that, how that went down and how that happened. And he, I don't know, he could have responded in anger, Mm -hmm. frustration. Mm -hmm. He could be understanding. And so that was a pretty scary conversation. Yeah. Yeah. The point of it was that you were showing up and that can be the hardest part because you have no control over how the other person is going to respond. But the conversation is mostly for you, for you to show up in your value around courage and, and, you know, all these things that you, that make you feel proud of who Janessa is. That's Mm -hmm. what's important. And also what we had discovered before we forget about it is that you had both triggered each other. Yes. That happens all the time in friendships, in romantic partnerships, at work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stepping, stepping on each other's. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> each other's. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So then you, what did you decide to do with that? Did you decide to say nothing or did you decide to go and, and circle back with him? I decided to circle back and have that conversation. And I felt like I wanted to throw up as I was walking towards him, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I knew that was again, the action that was going to align with my values and and how I want to show up in the world. And so I approached him and I said, you know, Hey, I just want to say, I'm really sorry about how I responded and how that went the other day. And I was so surprised by how he responded because he immediately said, Hey, I'm sorry too. Mm -hmm. You know? And he explained to me how, especially since he's a coach, like he's a friend, but he's also a coach in this community. He just really wants to connect with people. And so when he feels like someone's pushing back against that and doesn't want to connect, that that's hard for him. He took it personally. Mm -hmm. He took it personally. And I think that was the moment when I realized, like you said, like we were totally just stepping on each other's shit. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this happens all the time. And like, and, and rarely does anybody circle back or it just escalates from there. <laughs> and it's really interesting. I think that, I think what's so important is I want to outline a couple of things that happened is that you, is that we had the conversation where, and I do this with all my clients, like you lay out your choices, like you can either say nothing and it'll eventually go away, but you probably won't forget about it and things will be awkward with him. Or you could, you have a couple different choices, or you could go and and circle back with him and actually say something. Or you could like, what I think a lot of people might have done also is gone into, and we call this shame shields in the work is like people pleased and like brought him some protein bars or I don't know, like whatever, right? (laughs) like kissed up kind of, you know, and just been like extra nice in order to like try to say you're sorry without saying sorry and having that hard conversation that happens a lot. Or you could have even like tried a lot harder at the gym to like, you know, like make up for what you did. You know, it's like we do all this like really stupid behaviors or you could have just tried to engineer your schedule so you didn't see him. Mm-hmm. Avoid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All the behaviors that get uncovered when we do this work together. Well, and the fact that this, this just aligned so perfectly 
right. And unfolded so perfectly with all the work that we were doing. It was almost a little shocking, like, wow, no, this is it. This is, this is why this is so important and so important. Yeah. And I think it's, it's important to sort of underscore what you were saying is that he could have responded not very, not very politely. You know, he could have been like, yeah, you were a real bitch and Mm -hmm. walked away. And then you would have had to contend with that. You would have had to walk through that pain and probably some more shame and humiliation. And, and then, but, but knowing that you did circle back and cleaned up a mess that you had made and that the rest of it is on him because that his response is, is his. Mm -hmm. Ouch. Yeah, (laughs) but it did work out well. And I just was so incredibly proud of you for doing it, even though, and, and you didn't throw up. You could have. I'm sure they have like trash cans around there for <laughs> yeah. that happening. At that yeah, time. I didn't throw up. And we, we actually hugged at the end of it. That's so awesome. I, and, and our relationship, our friendship now, I mean, this was weeks and weeks ago now. And, and so now our conversations are totally fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's so I mean, like I was saying before you told the story, like I could not have I could not have planned that out any better, you know, like hired actors to do that. <laughs> You're like, am I being punked? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, well, what is what was your biggest and, and, you know, if you have more than one aha moment that you had from our months of working together? Oh, I think there are a couple and they're they're related the first, I think, big aha was just realizing how small I'd been living. And when, when I say that, I'm not referring to like, obviously, like I said, I was checking the boxes externally on paper. Everything seemed quite big mm-hmm. and full of achievement and success. But I was really staying small with using my voice and getting more in touch with how I really want to spend this life and and connecting with people and having relationships and doing work that is actually fulfilling and not just succeeding. So I think that that was a big aha, just realizing, wow, I've been, I've been silencing myself in a lot of ways. And so now I'm ready to, I think, step into more of who I want to be. And that's, I mean, that's priceless. Like that's just, and if someone had told me months ago that I would come to this point and have that perspective and be able to look back on our time together and see that type of really massive transformation and improvement. I don't, I don't even know if I could have conceived it, right. Like, like conceptualized, Oh yeah, that's what it's going to feel like. Mm -hmm. That's the perspective I'll have. And it really pushes me to, to just take more risks, I think, and put myself out there more and just show up. And I think especially in our environment, right. Politically, socially, like with everything going on. I mean, you and I, you and I've talked about this, right? Like more and more women, we need to step up and own our voices. And cause there's so much power in that, not just individually, but together. So I think that's been huge. And 
on the second point that's related to that is it's not a momentary fix or change. It's a continued process. It's day to day. Right. <laughs> it never stops. I know. Yes, it is a continued process that's day to day. And I want to circle back to what you were saying in the beginning. I call that hiding in plain sight. When you do have all these successes and people even admire you, but you're still sort of that whole concept of playing small, that's what it is. And and how it tends to sort of manifest in people's lives and the women that I work with, it's typically in their relationships. It's in their romantic relationships, you know, not speaking up for what they want or speaking up in the wrong way, like being passive aggressive, being sarcastic, or just not not voicing their wants and needs in a way that makes them proud of who they are. And it's things that are important to them, you know, whether it's, you know, social issues or political issues or, you know, issues in their community or at work and things like that. They don't, all of us have a story to tell. Every single one of us has a story to tell and many aren't telling it for fear of what other people think, for fear of backlash, for fear of, so, I mean, I could go, I could have a whole podcast episode, like just on the fears of what, of what we feel about so many different things, but especially of this, that's why I created a new program coming out in 2018 called raise hell. I'll talk more about that later, but that's what it's about. It's about rising up and that's going to look different for everyone. And I don't expect everyone's rise to look like yours. I don't expect everyone's rise to look like mine, but it's, it's time. Like it's long overdue. And I think for women to do that is that it's an act of revolution. I don't use that term lightly, but it is an act of revolution for a woman in our culture to stand up for herself and to be vulnerable at the same time as standing in her own solid foundation of who she is. Mm-hmm. Amen, sister. Amen. <laughs> yes. I know I need to get like a Baptist preacher robe and, and just get up on the mountain. <laughs> well, how do you, how do you speak to yourself now? And I guess I should back up a little bit and ask you first, because everyone walks into this work with a different level of inner critic talk. For some people, it is, they hear it a lot in their relationships. And some of them, they're like, I don't really hear it too much, except I really have imposter complex stuff, or they hear the voice of not so much beating themselves up on a regular basis, but they hear like the, who do you think you are to go out and do that? So what did, what did yours look like in the beginning? And then what are the tools that you're using now? Like, how has that changed? Mm -hmm. I had a lot of, who do you think you are? Mm -hmm. That came up very much for me in my relationships, I think, I think in my work as well, but especially in just sharing more about my journey and my struggle. And I think that with this journey with training and competing with Olympic weightlifting specifically, you know, I had a measure of success and the, who do you think you are really came up with that because it's like, well, then how do you maintain that? Mm-hmm. Who, who do you think you are, you know, to want to have these goals and try to continue on this journey in this way? I mean, you, you're this person who, who struggled with an eating disorder, you know, <laughs> or like, I've also had it come up in, you know, even just with thoughts of, 
doing my potentially own nutrition coaching or any sort of coaching down the road. Well, who do you think you are? Like (laughs) you came and you've gone through so much mess, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's been challenging. And I think I wasn't fully aware of it. Like you said, I wasn't tuned into it. It was almost just this record always on play in the background. Mm -hmm. And through the work, I just started to I think the first step is really becoming aware of it right? and noticing it and observing it and realizing, oh, oh my God, that's where it is. <laughs> that's the thing that's been holding me back. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think now, in addition to being able to know when it's happening, it's having the tools and the courage and the commitment to say, okay, so... I'm going to acknowledge it because I don't want to stuff that either. Mm -hmm. I need to acknowledge that it's happening, but how am I going to respond? And I'm going to respond to that from a place of self-compassion, meaning, you know, I'm not alone in this. Everybody struggles with this. This is not my singular experience. And, you know, being kind with myself to say, okay, because, because you could also start beating yourself yourself up about beating yourself up. Yes. I have a name for that. I call it the ultimate ass kicker. It happens all the time. (laughs) Mm -hmm. When you start to uncover the behaviors and the self-talk, I happens with almost every single one of my clients. They're like, Oh my God, I'm so screwed up. How am I going to ever get out of this? I, it feels like such an uphill battle. It's like, you can see how long the path is. Mm -hmm. And I had struggled with that, you know, just this story around, well, I'm broken. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm broken. Right. And even <laughs> I'm even broken with how I'm broken, right? Like how I'm dealing with this, but now it's so different. It's like, Oh, okay. You know, I, and I want to treat myself like I would treat a close friend, mm-hmm. right? Like I wouldn't shame her or say some of the things I've said to myself. So that has really shifted. Yeah. And that's part of the work that we talk about. I, I believe it's sort of early on is you mentioned a couple of things. It is that element of self-kindness and common humanity is what you, when you were talking about my feelings aren't unique that, cause that just causes massive loneliness and isolation. When we think that nobody else has these problems, we think that no one else struggles at the gym. We think that no one else struggles with self-harm, et cetera, et cetera. And it's, and it's like, what I hear is like, logically people know that other people do, but it's the feeling of loneliness. It's the, and it's the fear of putting those issues out there the fear of judgment, the fear of, of so many different things again. And it's the knowing that you are, and this comes from Kristen Neff's research that your problems are just like everyone else's. The circumstances might look different, but the feelings that underpin them are all the same. And that can help with learning to be more kind and compassionate to yourself. And I'm assuming you can agree with me because this has been my experience of, you know, 11 years into this is that self-compassion and self-kindness are a constant practice. Constant. Mm -hmm. Oh yes. Every day. Yeah. And it's not that those thoughts go away, you know, the negative self-talk, the, who do you think you are, but the goal in this work. And I think that this is what you're getting at is that you see it coming more quickly instead of it just being this background music that you've gotten used to hearing it. It's as if it's sort of like you can get out in front of it 
and like be in, be the DJ, you know, it's like, you can like take the record off. I don't know why y'all still have records, but <laughs> I'm just making up with the records, but just, and hear it like, oh, there you are. I'm going to put a different song on. Like I'm going to intentionally change this. Would you say that's pretty correct? Yes. Yes. I think getting ahead of it when you aren't able to get ahead of it, still being compassionate in that moment and and recognizing, oh yeah, that did happen. And I did have that behavior and I fell down Mm -hmm. again, (laughs) you know, like shit. Yeah. (laughs) I let that run away from me. Yeah. And too, Mm -hmm. and you know, going back to that story that happened to you at the gym with that coach is that, is that was a trigger. And that's another thing that we do in this work is like really getting to know what your triggers are. And that was one for you. And all of us have them in different areas of our life. We have them in our romantic relationships or dating. We have them in our friendships. We have them at work. We have them with our body and appearance. Parenting, if you're a parent, they exist. And if you don't know them, like whether you know them or not, they're running your life. And if you don't know them, you can't, you know, get ahead of it. Like you can't, I hesitate to use the term take control, but you can't work on it, I think is what I'm trying to say. So when you know what your triggers are, you know, for you, it's someone asking you like, oh, how much you bench? (laughs) (laughs) But it's so helpful. I find it so incredibly helpful to know what your triggers are and be able to be intentional and just be aware of what's happening before we let it run away from us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and then I want to, I want to close with you telling everyone, because I gave you a creative project assignment that will go down in history as like one of my favorite sessions I had with you and just like seeing you talk about this. So I gave you the assignment and what did you tell me you wanted to do? I, well, first of all, it was really hard to even tell you. I, I think I fumbled for a while. Like, uh, I don't, uh, so Andrea, um, I think I really, you know, I'm like, what? <laughs> what? I, and I was like, I think I want to start a YouTube channel, mm-hmm. <laughs> which was just, I mean, I still laugh out loud at this because, and we talked about this. I was like, if someone had told me months ago that I was going to like start a YouTube channel as part of this work, I'd be like, hell no. What are you talking about? Like, I don't even post on Facebook. Like that post on right. Facebook was like a big deal. Yes. And it took me, I, we didn't talk about this earlier, but <laughs> how long did it take I had you to, to get hound that you about it? <laughs> you did. I was totally hiding. I was totally like, maybe this will just go away. Nope, it won't. Andrea's boxing me again. (laughs) She wrote it down. (laughs) Yep, that's the homework. So it was so bizarre to come to that realization that that's what I wanted to do. But now that I think about it, it makes a lot of sense with just wanting to share a story. And I think story is what is so powerful. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I, I think you're kind of, you're not giving it enough credit as I think it deserves. Okay. So let me tell everybody the story from my end is that <laughs> you, I'm like Skyping with you on video and you, I asked you what it is. No, I had no idea. Like you could have told me you wanted to go beyond, you know, so you think you can dance. Like, I don't know what your creative thing is. And so you told me that you wanted to, so you have a background in film, right? Like didn't, wasn't that part of your 
I, I did. Yeah. So back in college, I took a film class and I had planned out to do this whole senior thesis project as a film project for a creative thesis. And I was living abroad and doing research and I brought my, you know, I took the class, I like bought the equipment, I went abroad and I got there and I just totally chickened out. Right. To be honest. Yeah. So Let your inner critic <laughs> get a hold totally. of you. Like the whole who yes. you think you are, one out. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Like who do you think you are? You only took one class. Like <laughs> like you're right. not a think you you're can... not a film person. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's what we discovered. But for me, from where I'm sitting, and maybe anyone can relate who's witnessed somebody do this, talk about something that they're passionate about, that they're excited about. Like your whole face flushed, like you were, your arms were moving around. Like I hadn't, I don't know if I've ever in all of the time we had had together seen you that excited about something. Mm -hmm. And I was like, like as a facilitator of this work as a coach, and I'm like, those are the moments where I said, you have to do this. Like there's no other choice. Like I will live and breathe that you, Janessa, will do this project. I mean, even if it's just for yourself, that's, I think that that's kind of what we came to is like, you don't have to like, just do the thing. But I think you wanted to, like you knew you would post it on YouTube and even to your Facebook page. So that's what you did. And you started a YouTube channel telling your story. Mm -hmm. You got into it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm still terrified by it. That's the funny thing is like, it's like a roller coaster, right? Because you're like climbing, right? You're climbing up and it's exciting and you know, it's thrilling, but then you want to throw up at the same time and you take this big, you know, this big leap and it's fun. And then you post it and then you're like, shit, (laughs) like it's out there again. (laughs) Yeah. Like, like, so it is this up and down, but you know, that's, I think that's the richness and the contrast that I hadn't really been experiencing in my life recently over the last few years. Right. It, it takes the ups and the downs to find that depth. And And I think too, that is such a theme in this work. And tell me if you agree. And Brene says this all the time. And I I do think it's sort of like the foundation of this work is the fact that you can be brave and afraid at the same time. And that that's what courage is, is being brave and afraid at the same time. I mean, that creative project really sums that up. Don't you think? Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Because if you would have waited for you to have like, and that's what a lot of people do. And maybe people listening can relate to that. It's like, well, I'm going to do that thing, whether it's a creative project, whether it's starting to date again, whether it's starting to go to the gym again, anything, I'm going to do that when I have the confidence and newsflash, you're not ever going to have it. Like you can't buy it. You can't like manifest it. Like you, it's not the confidence comes with doing vulnerable and scary things. And that's how we gain confidence in having hard conversations. That's how we, you know, things like asking for a raise or going after a promotion or asking someone on a date, initiating sex with our partner, like asking for counseling with our partners, like all these things that are so fucking scary Mm -hmm. that we just have to walk through them and rip the bandaid off and sometimes throw up in the process in order to gain some confidence. It's not always going to work out, but it's, I think it's also that knowledge that our brains, because what's happening, you guys is like, like our biologically, like our brains think that we will die, like, or that we'll get so rejected from society that then we will die. So it's, it's like your brain is just trying to protect you, but it's, I know y'all are smarter than that. Like <laughs> We need to be aware of that 
and go out there and be vulnerable. And, that, and that's what that, that creative project represented so much is your courage and your vulnerability and your, you telling your story and all of that. Mm-hmm. And I'm surviving. <laughs> you made it and you're here to tell the story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you made more than one video. You kept going. Yes. Yes. And we'll keep going. So that's, that's exciting. And you put it out to people that matter to you, like on your personal Facebook page. And the response was what? It was very, yeah, very positive. Yeah. And that's been great, you know, just to, and I really, when people have approached me to open up in person about their own struggles and their own story, like that is just, I'm so humbled by that. Mm-hmm. Because that makes me realize like, oh my God, yeah, like this is, this is the genuine connection, right? right? Like this is just cutting through the crap to say, yeah, I'm struggling. You're struggling. I see you. You see me, right? Yeah. Absolutely. It, it is that it's that human connection. And sometimes it's on a bigger scale, you know, with social media and sometimes it's on a smaller scale and that's and I don't want people to think like, that's all the work that we do is like, you know, you put, just put a bunch of videos out on social media and have those like heartfelt connections. It is also the one-on-one connections with, you know, sometimes it's conversations with a parent or a partner or, you know, a coworker, friends, a lot of times. And also I was reading when I saw you posted on your personal page, a lot of people were inspired. And I think that that's a really, that, that's a huge bonus that you're inspiring other people. Mm-hmm. Yay. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> I'm, I'm still working on like, like, you know, like that's even that feels a little uncomfortable, but I'm working, tell. I'm working on it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yay. Oh, I guess. Oh, <laughs> like shrugging emoji. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm so glad I had you on. Cause I, I know that like you consider yourself an introvert. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I know that when I asked you to come on here, you were like, yes. And I'm terrified. Yeah. (laughs) So thank you. Thank you. I only have like two listeners, so it's fine. (laughs) One of them is my mom. (laughs) The other's mine. So it's all good. (laughs) No, but thank you so much. And I will, I will link up to your YouTube channel so you can even be more scared <laughs> and, oh God. Yeah. And just thank you so much for being brave and for coming on here and for doing the work and, and telling more people about it. It's difficult for me to put it into words what this work is. And it's important work. And I know that it is not an easy decision for people. It is an investment in both time and energy and emotion and finances. So I don't take that decision lightly for people who who want to come on board. And for anybody who's interested in that, I have one spot open right now and you can go to yourkickasslife.com forward slash daring. That's where the info page is and you can fill out an application. All the information is there. You can fill out an application. That application comes directly to me. So you don't have to worry about it going through any kind of gatekeeper. And I will be in touch shortly afterwards. And thank you again, Janessa. This has been so fun. Thank you, Andrea, really for everything over the last few months. It has been an amazing experience and I just feel so fortunate to have had you in my corner. And yeah, this is really, I mean, when I say transformation, I I really use that very seriously and intentionally. So it's just been, it's been awesome. (laughs) 
Great. Okay. And everyone, thank you again. I'm so grateful that you join me every week here on the podcast. And what do I have next week? I always like to tell people what I have going on next week. Please hold. Oh, next week we're talking about forgiveness. I have Emily Hooks on who wrote a book all about forgiveness. And I think it's, I'm so glad to have it. I talk about it like here and there on the podcast, but all wrapped up into one episode. Very excited to have you come back next week and listen. And until then, I will see you out in cyberspace. Bye-bye. Hey, ass kickers, you know what would help me out so much if you left a rating and review for this podcast. Your Kick-Ass Life podcast will always be free to you and to help me get more awesome guests and to spread the word, it helps tremendously if you leave a rating and a review. Now, they don't particularly make this super easy to do, so I'll help you out a little. If you're in iTunes and you're on your phone, when you are in the podcast app, you need to search for Your Kick-Ass Life podcast. I know, even if you're subscribed, this is how you do it. So when you search for it and you see it come up, click on the cover art, then towards the top where it says reviews, click that, scroll down a tiny little bit, and then click write a review. Stitcher is a bit easier if you're on Android. The easiest way I found to do this is to type into Google stitcher.com, your kick-ass life, and voila, my podcast should pop up as the first link. Scroll down and click write a review. That's it. Thank you so very much. You have no idea how much it helps me when you do that. All right. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.